What's up, everybody? Not my house. It's in the house. This is your host, Eric. And as always, right next to me is my co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on this morning, my friend? It's an honor today. I just uh, can't wait to get to it. We got basketball royalty in the house, so I'm just excited to learn a little bit more. Absolutely. We definitely consider him part of basketball royalty. He played his college basketball during the golden years at Rhode Island and went on to have a successful professional career overseas. Can't wait to learn more about him and his story. Mr. Zach Marbury, how are you doing today, sir? Everything is love. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, we always like to get a little background on our guests before we start talking hoops. Can you tell our listeners where you grew up and what your childhood was like growing up there? I grew up in a place called Coney Island with three avenues, Mermaid, Surf, Neptune. Uh, on the beaches, so basically it was like our Miami. <laughs> right on. We lived on the beach, so we, we basically, that's how we was able to be able to keep our athleticism at a high level because we ran in sand with boots. So um, Coney Island, beautiful place. You know, it's like where the Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs is created. And um, a little bit about Coney Island, it's, it's a rough area just like any other rough area in the, in the city. And um, it's a beautiful place because it shaped us to be who we are today, you know? And, and, and Coney Island is home to me because I don't know who I would be without it. You know, I only been there, of course, only for since I was 13, which I didn't get to live my whole life there due to the fact that my brother Stefan being, getting drafted when I was 14 years old. So I kind of didn't get a chance to really experience the whole Coney Island. It's a place where, you know, every ghetto is a ghetto, you know, it's just people on top of each other, different races, uh, different type of races coming up. So it wasn't never no, no, no hate between us as far as different people, different um, religions. It was always love. My mother always preached love in her household. So we always treated like, we always treated you, anybody, you know, it's everybody's equal. And that's how we was raised in our household. And that's what Coney Island made us to be, you know, as, as far as, you know, having a fight, being able to have to be on your ones and twos. You always got to be focused and you always got to be hungry because you don't want to end up there for the rest of your life. You know, so it's not a place where you want to grow up for the rest of your life, but it's definitely a place that can shape you to be able to live through life like I'm living today and to be able to be a good person, you know, and that's what I try to work on every single day to be a good person, because if you could be a good person, it could reflect on other people and you never know how their life could be. Absolutely. You know, one thing I'm really surprised you didn't talk about with Coney Island is the cyclone. The cyclone. <laughs> I Well, I said that in the first, but you guys had the glitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then the famous Nathan's hot dogs. Yep. That's what we really known for. Yep. <laughs> I yep. said that in the beginning, but um, um, we had a glitch in it. So yeah, of course, you already know that. That's like everything. The cyclone, you know, we basically was lived there. That's what the movie, um the movie with Ray Allen. Um He got game, yeah. He got game. That movie was basically about my family. It wasn't nothing that had nothing to do with Ray Allen. That was stuff on Marbury's story. But just Ray Allen and, and playing it. But that was the whole life of my brother. I mean, some things was off, a couple of things was off, but as far as that, so my point of saying to that is that I know you guys remember when Ray Allen and uh, the girl was on a cyclone. So just bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I rode that when I was younger. I, I'm I'm East Coast guy like you are. I grew up in Jersey. So 
Oh, you right up the street. Yeah, so I had to throw that in my yeah. My dad, my dad grew up in Brooklyn, and and we moved to Jersey when I was a little kid. Oh, but. so he got a heart of a lion like us then. Amen, man. Yeah, he worked worked <laughs> for Con Ed for years, and and uh, yeah, he was a tough 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 sob, my friend. <laughs> he kept well, he kept the energy and the lights on for us. He worked, you know, when the, when the lights went out, he the one that was fixing. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely, man. Con absolutely. Edison. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he had the he had the company car and everything. A little 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 blue. Yeah, I remember crap. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some days I ain't gonna, I'm gonna keep it real with you. We used to jump on the back of them and, and take like hitch a ride. Like me and my friends get jump because they can't see you because in the back there's no window. Yeah, <laughs> we jump on the back. They don't even know we jump right off when we get to our block. <laughs> yeah, this is a true story. You know, me and my friends. So I grew up a little rougher than my brother Stefan. You know because. Stefan had to go straight in, you know, because of all of the, the things that happened to my brothers before Stefan, you know, as far as the disappointment, as far as we not getting to the NBA and we had all the talent in the world. So Stefan just really was so focused, opposing to what I was all over the place with almost 20 cousins. My mom got 10 sisters and brothers. They got all seven to 10 kids and they got kids. So I grew up in that, but my brother Stefan was more of a straight on the basketball line and that's why he was able to just go in with no problem. And then once they started to see who he was, I guess they didn't want to accept it, but it is what it is. Now, you you know, growing up back there, I mean, I'm assuming you were maybe a Yankees fan. Did you start playing baseball first as a kid or was basketball the sport you started on? Actually, that's a great question. Baseball is my first sport. That was when I was my first sport. They used to call me Jackie Robinson and and uh, where I'm from because I played so many multiple sports. I played baseball and basketball for sure. But then I played two-hand touch football. I played soccer, you know, because I, I had so many different friends. Like one of my best friends was Jewish. His name was Chad, Chad Connor. We went to, um, we went to um, PS, um, we went to public school together. Like one of my good friends. So I used to go to his house he used to live all the way in the back, which is called a place called Seagate. So this, so you got the projects and then you got all the way in the back where most of the majority, of course, the Jewish people, they have the money. They live all the way in the back and it's like a gated community. It's called Seagate. My mother used to work at the daycare center, which all of her kids went to school from there. It's called Roberto Bright. And my aunt you just was talking to, mm-hmm. she the one, they raised over like 700 kids come from that place. So long story short, Seagate, I used to always go over there, always go play with different types of games. He had a game room in his house, video games, but nobody never knew I used to be over there, <laughs> you know? but I used to be with my friend Chad. So it was just, it was just, it was just great times, man. I mean, I, I just, when you think about it and you bring back memories, it's just, it's a beautiful life that I have. That's why I, this is the first podcast that I'm I'm letting the world know who I am because they really don't know. You know, they really think that I'm stuff on my brother and we some type of bad people. We really, we all about God. So we really good people. We just have our own way of thinking. And sometimes it, not, it may be to where other people don't accept it. I like it, you know, but it's only for the better. It's only for the good. But sometimes, you know, we, we, we had an attitude, but you no, know, who's perfect, you know, and we got, I guess, when you use that type of echelon of talent, they want you to be a certain way. And I guess that we wasn't that to where, you know, they had to try to really cancel culture on my whole family, you know, yeah. and people, and which is really called blackball when we was coming up, you know, but now it's called cancel culture in today's day. So 
we experienced a lot and we just trying to show that we are really good people, man. And we not, we not, we about love and we about, you know, wanting to see everybody do well, because if everybody is happy, then how is it going to be any stress? Yeah. That's, no, that's, but if you living good and then somebody's sitting next to you, he living bad, but he's right next to you every day. Why would you think that person would not be stressed and you living a life and he sees it? You know, so I have a lot of experiences, not just from my life, basketball and everything, but just being right there, the, the damn there, the assistant coach to my brother's life as far as stuff on, because I was the one passing the ball when we was set six years old, when we was playing in the house on a, on a, on a hanger with the rim. You know, I was the one passing the ball and you're not even knowing you getting that you working on your game. See, people think that when you rebounding the ball, it's just you passing, you're not really getting reps in. You could be working on your passing ability, you know, while you rebounding the ball. So now when you're ready to shoot, you can be working on your shooting ability. But people don't think that way. But I'm here to try to bring that back. That's a great point. Absolutely. Um, any any good one-on-one stories playing with Stefan or uh, or or was it? What was it? What what was that like? Was it was he hard on you? I mean, how much of you? I'm gonna give you. you a, from I'm him? gonna give you two ones, two Good. famous ones. Good. One when I first when I first got the link, and my brother's a senior, so he was the number one player in the country since he was in ninth and since he was in eighth grade. So you got to think he's the number one player since he in the country since he was eighth grade, right? Right. That means that I'm coming up under all of that pressure and scrutiny right after him which is only three years apart. So when I get to high school, I'm the top, I'm like one of the top players. I'm not the number one player, but I'm one of the top eighth graders coming in, in high school. And he's the number one player on the planet, <laughs> not just the, you know everywhere. So our first practice, he dogged the S-H-I-T out of me, my brother. Like he would let me get up the court. I'm talking about, making me work so hard to where I thought he didn't he wasn't even my brother <laughs> you know and my coach Hosting was like get him you know because I was coming into Lincoln High School as my freshman supposed to start with my brother but I wasn't a great shooter I was more of a point guard so that's when they started a kid named Butchie when his name is Gerard Hawkins he started but he was like a 5-3 guard but he was a really good shooter so he started in the backcourt with my brother so basically, I just had to just play behind the best point guard in the world, right? So you know you ain't getting a lot of run. You know you ain't getting a lot of ticks. And now what you're doing? Now you're studying. You're watching everything. So now when you get your opportunity, you could be able to perform. So he killed me then, right? Bad. Couldn't even get the ball over the court in high school at Lincoln. The next one was the best one because it's going to be funny because he knows it's true. Everybody knows it's true. We in Phoenix. My brother's in Phoenix, Arizona. He just made the All-Star team. So the next year, Penny Hardaway, all those like my big brothers, Penny Hardaway, Sean Marion, Joe Johnson, Bo Outlaw, all of them. I know all of them personally. Like these is like family. So I'm there. My brother, they training, getting ready for the season. I'm living in Arizona with him at the time. This is when I was just like, I was on my just living a lifestyle now. And basketball wasn't even there for me because I was going so many obstacles and in the beginning, which of you guys asked, as far as my high school coming up to what happened from high school to college, you understand why I took a break, you know, as far as from the game. And then, but I really didn't take a break because I still was living a luxury life. But a lot of people wasn't able to live that way. 
You understand what I'm saying? So I was living a whole different life to where another individual who has a brother comes in and they didn't make it to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for instance, you know what I'm saying? And then they have to live up to that life. To that life. It wasn't that for me. My brother was at the plateau where he was at the top consistently from high school all the way into the pros until they try to cancel him. Yeah. So when we was in Arizona, we playing one-on-one and we going at it. <laughs> we going at it. So you got everybody hyping it, Penny Hardaway. He hyping it. Uh, everybody hyping it. Joe Johnson, he was a rookie. He was on the other side of the court. But Sean Marion, he hyping it. So we going at it. And here we go. We get to fighting. Not, not basically not fighting, fist fighting, but arguing. Like he calls home and tells one of my oldest brothers, yo, he's trying to hurt me. <laughs> 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 I'm playing hard now. And he playing hard, but you know, he's like, yo, he called, he trying to hurt me. Call my brother, oldest brother Don. Yo, he trying to hurt me. My oldest brother Don called me, like, yo, you trying to hurt the money? You crazy? That's the money right there. And I said, I'm the money too. <laughs> so this is when, just true story, this is when um, Mr. Colangelo, I know you know the Colangelo people, the USA, yeah. Brian Colangelo, and Mr. Colangelo, I call him Mr. Colangelo and Jerry. They wanted to sign me to like on a team to just, you know, keep me around for practices and little things like that. And hopefully, you know, you never know. And whatever happened, it went south. So those are my two stories of me and my brother. We, that was, but other than that, we always just worked out. We never really played one-on-one after we trained. We trained every day, mostly everywhere we went. So we was doing the same stuff. Every, we was doing practically everything the same. But we only had two real battles, and those are the real battles. Most of the other time, we just doing our training and getting our training together. I'm, he just getting prepped for the season. Yeah, and I mean, we love hearing those stories anytime that we get somebody on the podcast with a sibling and they talk about those one-on-one -on -one games. It's always a good time. But, you know, I have to ask, because obviously you wanted to carve a name for yourself growing up. Um, who are some of your childhood idols and players that you tried to emulate your game after? I mean, especially growing up in, you know, New York with Rucker Park and all that. Like, who are some of the guys that you looked at and said, I want to play like that guy? Well, nobody in Rucker Park, really, but J.K. I was a big J.K. fan. Um, Coach Bozeman was crew to me to go to um, California. So that was really one of my top schools until he had got released from the school. This is when Sharif Abdul Rahim was there. That's another one of my, like a, like a brother. I used to work out with him in Atlanta at his house. He used to have a gym in his house in Atlanta in Cobb County. And I used to be with him and work out. He, he's like a big brother. Him and Steph is like one of good friends. They played with the USA 17 and other team. So we've been like cool ever since then. And I'm 13 years old when they playing when they were 16, 17. But um J Kid, J Kid is my um is my number one guy. And of course, Steph and of course Alan Ivins. Alan Iverson is somebody I watched because of the simple fact I, I had like the best crossover in the country at ninth grade. Yeah. My father said it on um ABC Channel 7 when they did a documentary on my brother's stuff on getting ready to go to Georgia Tech. My father said, if my, my son, Stefan don't make it, here's my son, Zach. He's the rawest out of all of my sons. And then they show me on Channel 7 on ABC doing my crossover. And it's the same, you look at it, it's the same thing like Allen Iverson. I just threw it down. But I was on the bench. You know, I got the little, I got, when we blew teams out, I got my little minutes in. <laughs> and most of the time, we really did blow teams out. So I used to play about 12 minutes a game. 
you know, but when the game tight, of course, you know, you get an in and out sub when a coach needs you for a defensive stop, something like that. You know, when you're a freshman, you know, you getting little intakes in the game, you know, you're not, you know, you're just seven in and out, you know, and you get in that field. Then once they you get you a sophomore, now you start your junior, then now you duck develop. Yeah. And when and you're I mean, senior, they posted you supposed to be like like prime stake. Absolutely. And I mean, can you paint a picture of what the high school scene was like for you? Like kind of what kind of player you were like in high school? And I mean, what what were some of the familiar names that you played against in high school? Did you ever rival, maybe? I mean, I really didn't have no well, all right. My rival was DeMar Johnson. Okay. I know you know who that is. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. the Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant. See, people don't know that. Before he got the car accident, me and the, me and him supposed to play in high school together at Newport. This is when I first got the situation in Lincoln. When if you guys ever talk about that, I had came down to Maryland. That's why we are in Maryland because of that situation in Lincoln. Because my mom wanted to move to Jersey, and we got far away from New York when that whole thing came out as far as the sexual harassment in high school and everything, which was crazy, total bonkers. So my mother couldn't believe that happened to us putting all her seven kids in Lincoln High School and the pedestal that we put Lincoln on <laughs> from her first son to her last child. You know, all her seven kids went there. So we put Lincoln on a, a pedestal to a, is every it's, a, it's like Pepsi. It's a brand name. You know, you yeah. say Lincoln High School, oh, the Marbury brothers went there. You understand what I'm saying? So once we came down here, I was supposed to go to a place called Newport. Newport, I think it was Newport. I think it was Newport something. I don't know what school. It was a, basically it was a prep school. And I was supposed to go to St. John's Prospect Hall, which is in Fredericksburg, Maryland, to play with um, Dominique Wilkinson, um, Joe Wilkinson, which his name is Damien, one of, the, one of the guys that's one of the top players too. So me and him was going to play with each other. But my mom and dad didn't want me to go out to Fredericksburg for whatever reason. So I stayed here and I went to a little inner school here called Crossland High School. And I stayed here about two and a half months. And then that's when I relocated to Milford Academy to go to, to finish out my senior year and then go to, to college. So basically, DeMar Johnson was really like my guy. And Al Harrington, he was the number one player in our class. I remember the game when me and Al Harrington went up against each other. When he had like 61 of us, and I had like 57. We went to like three overtimes. And um, this place called, um, it was a tournament. It was an outside tournament. I'll never forget. It was off of Exit 3 in New Jersey Turnpike. I'll remember. And, you know, you know Coach Sandy, which is a, a great person. Uh, he put Kyrie Irving through the, um, to the NBA. That's who Kyrie Irving played with. You go pull him out his name, Sandy. Kyrie Irving. Um, Kid, kid, kid Gilchrist, whatever his name, went to Kentucky, Al Harrington. Yeah. Um, the kid, I think the kid Kaminga played with him a couple of games. So basically he had a, it's called New Jersey Roadrunners, his, his, uh, his AAU team. And that was one of my best games. And DeMar, DeMar Johnson, and I mean, yeah, DeMar Johnson, those really like, was my rivals. I didn't really, really look at nobody really as a rival, to be honest. I was just hooping and just living. And me more, I was more all over the place, man. Like, I didn't really, like, you got to remember, I got the number one player brother in the country. So, you know, I'm living up to where I'm getting 140 boxes from Adidas every every day, <laughs> every yeah. weekend. You know what I'm saying? That type of life. While these guys really just playing basketball, trying to get to the NBA. So my driving a little bit was more different from theirs, but the talent was the same. Right. 
Yeah, and I love that you bring up AAU because we hear from former guests uh, a lot of AAU stories, and a lot of them involve playing against your brother. And uh, I, I kind of wanted to ask what your experience is like with AAU, but also kind of explain some of the connections that are made from like AAU players to coaches to guys like Sonny Vaccaro and like others, and how AAU has changed over the years, in your opinion. Well, back then, Sonny Vaccaro was like my father's right hand man. Like they were really, really quite, really t- close. Like. I remember Sonny came to Coney Island to pick up my father and nobody knew who he was, you know, but my, they knew how my father was. My father's a very diverse person. Like he raised his children, like to be diverse, to be able to know how to communicate with everyone and know how to speak. You know, a lot of people don't really know how to speak, you know, and that's what's wrong with basketball players. That's why they don't like to do interviews because they don't really know how to speak, you know, and know how to say, but my sister, was fortunate to be a journalist at the University of Houston. That's where she went to school. She went to school out there with um, Clyde Drexler and Halad Lajuan, my sister Marcia. She was she went to school to be a journalist. She got her degree, for, and then that's how she be able to prep me and stuff on how to talk. So when we have communications and interviews like we having right now, we know how to talk. So when the viewers listening, they can understand what we're saying, opposing to you just talking to somebody and they just give you short answers because they really don't know how to speak, you know? So we was blessed and fortunate to have a system to be able to go to college and be able to take courses and to be able to understand how to talk and to be able to show her brothers. Well, we remember we from the hood. <laughs> so we, we know the ghetto stuff completely, but when you got it outside the box, as far as profession, a business person, you've got to know how to speak to people that, did the same thing as I did, went to school and to learn how to communicate, you know, right. and certain people will respect you for how you communicate and how you speak to them more than if you just don't know how to speak. They're not going to really speak to you, especially if they really know how to speak. Yeah. So we yeah. was blessed to be able to have that. Yeah. I mean, that's important stuff that you bring up, too, because I feel like a lot of players don't get that early on in their career. Like you mentioned, I think it's really important. Um but another question I wanted to ask you is, uh, I mean, some of those, these big camps like the ABCD camp, the Pump Brothers or Nike camp. I mean, I know that when we talked on the phone, you mentioned that you went to some of these camps. And we always love hearing some of these stories uh, that players have, some of their experiences at these camps. So what are some of, the, some of those experiences that you had at those camps? And what kind of measuring stick was that for you to kind of see where you're at as a player when you're going up against the best of the best? I was the MVP. So there you go. <laughs> I was the MVP at the, uh, the, Pump, the Pump Brothers camp in 97. My junior year, going into my senior year, you got to remember, I'm going to bring you to the story so you understand. When I was going into my junior year, my sophomore year, we, was, we wasn't really that good. We won the state in the, the city and state, which when Steph was a senior, going into college, right? I was a freshman, so we won city and state. My sophomore year, we was terrible because my coach – which is Coach Hosty, he went on sabbatical. He was really sick. So we basically had a new coach. I'm young, you know, which is a guy named Tiny Morton, which happened to have my nephew, Sebastian Telfair, Lance Stevenson, and, and uh, Isaiah Whitehead, who unfortunately oh, went to the, you know, got fortunate enough to go to the NBA. That coach was out of reason why he was the coach <laughs> because he was close to me and they knew that he would be a best fit for me to be able to come up with, right? So we had a terrible year my sophomore year. You know, we didn't do great. But my junior year, I came out blazing. I was averaging like 47 points. My coach wasn't even putting it in the newspaper at that time. Like he wasn't, even though it was blowouts or whatever, but my father said, this is still 
this is still um um articles that you can still read even though you, you blowing out teams right so follow me we kept playing we kept playing so now we get into the playoffs and then that's where they came and the sexual harassment and they said that i touched that girl but i wasn't even in school at that time when it, when we come to find out as we got older i wasn't even at the school at the time so wow. they called sexual harassment in me and they took me out of handcuffs and abraham lincoln which my my whole family built it from scratch yeah and it took me out of the school in handcuffs when we was about to play a week before our playoff game so we was about to win the city again my junior year my senior year in state boom i lose all my scholarships wow Everything go off the table. Now you got to remember, my brother Stephon just went to the NBA draft the year before. You know, because he did one year at Georgia Tech, which is my sophomore year in high school. And then my junior year, that was his first year. He went number four. So I don't know if it was a, it was a break us from my brother going to the NBA and they knew that I was coming right behind them immediately. I don't know what it was, but I think that it was more of a higher up situation more than anything else i didn't think that like my principal didn't even know and he swore to my father's face he said i didn't know i didn't even know they just came and just locked me up like we didn't even know wow that's crazy so, lost all my scholarship right i'm stressed and everything that's my mother said all right we out of here because i'm getting i met you got to remember when you in new york it's nine different newspapers Yep. And then you got to remember, I'm stuff on my right brother, and he just went to the NBA. So I'm in every newspaper for about a week and a half, two weeks, about some BS. Yeah. Wow. And they canceled me. Boom. Lose all my scholarship. Goes to AU. I bust everybody ass. Excuse my language. No, you're fine. From big time tournament. When we lost, we beat, we, I think we lost to DeMar Johnson and Keith Bogans in the championship at the big time tournament that year. But the pump tournament, we lost. We beat Mike Pisvella, and you remember Mike Miller? Oh yeah. oh yeah, both of them. We beat them in the championship. I had forty-five, and I got the MVP of the Pump Tournament. They still didn't put me at the top, and that was the number one tournament in our whole AU bracket at that time. Wow. And, I mean, of course, ABCD, and they still didn't even put me there. They put me like number eighteen. Wow. And the guys that they had number one through seventeen, I I embarrassed them that whole week because it was over like thirty-five teams there. Right. So that's one of them. And then AAU, I mean, of course, ABCD, it was it was just great. But I was just, man, I ain't going to lie, man. I've been going to ABCD ever since Cole and T-Mac and my brother because Steph been there or his, you know what I'm saying, his sophomore, junior year and senior year. You know what I'm saying? So I've been there since I was a kid, you know, watching Kobe. I remember one story when Kobe was playing and he left his shoe because I was real tight with Kobe. I used to always want to be around him because he was always different, you know, and I always like always wanted to see how he was moving. You gotta remember, Kobe was a kid from overseas coming from to the US, but he's just so happy he just to be a US kid. So he had all of that training from over there, which you know, when you overseas, they play hard because it's really not a lot of talent. Yeah. So that's why they bring imports in so they can help their team win because the imports are the talent, they the imports are the points. For the overseas team because they don't have the talent so that's why a lot of the imports that we know you got overseas and they're like oh they pay the import so much it's a reason because they don't have the talent as the imports that they're importing in 
So I used to run up, I ran one time all the way to the thing. Remember I told you about the, the hotel, like two miles. I ran all the way there and ran back and gave Kobe his shoes. Wow. He That's started playing, killed him. He had like 38, put on a show. Nice. <laughs> you got to remember, must, I'm must a little kid now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm little. I'm watching it. I'm like, damn, you know? You know, I'm like, you got to remember, my father, Sonny Vicario, which is the owner, the head of Adidas at that time, Days like this. So, you know, I used to get everything from Sonny, anything I wanted. You got to remember, we used to have so much Adidas stuff. Me and my brother never wore it. We always wore Nike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's wow. a true story. Our whole basketball team in high school and in college played in Adidas, and we played in Nike. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> when they was like, yo, what you want my feet to hurt, or you want me to give them 30 out there to help you swing? Hey, I don't blame you. I'm a Nike guy too. Put the Nikes on. (laughs) Do you so so when you're so when all that stuff happens to you, right? And you're trying to figure out what's the next step. You go to Rhode Island, right, for college. Um, How does Rhode Island recruit you? And is there other opportunities still to go to different places, or what makes you make the choice to to go to Rhode Island? Yes. Well. Okay. So. Backtrack, leaving the junior year, coming down to Maryland, right? We go, we pick. My father said, we're going to go to, we're going to go to a place called Milford Academy. It's not really a big, it's not really a big uh, school, like an MCI, Main Central Institute at that time. These are like the IMGs and the Hargraves, like the Hargrave Academy. You ever remember a dude called Coyon Young? Oh, yeah. He went to the yeah. NBA. He, was in, he went to Hargrave. You remember the kid, um, Derby, right? He went to NC State. Yeah. Um, but I forgot his name. Um, he played him and Colin Young played at Hargrave. Eric Barkley, Karan Butler, Kevin Barraswell, like six it was over 78 players came from that from that whole prep school um circle. About 78 players. St. Thomas Moore. That's when he had Shea Cotton, um, Lamar Odom, but they didn't play. They just they was just sitting prop 48 because they, they needed just to go to course, but they didn't even attend to play that's how me and Shea Cotton became really best of friends at that time when we was in high school um and then once I um my father said we're going to Milford boom we put Milford on the mat I goes there they sets up to where I played every school that was the top school because remember Milford's not really known about it right now we just up and coming school played with all the top school I was the number two scorer in the whole the whole the whole bracket behind Eric Barkley, which was the number one player, which got picked for the McDonald's All-American game over me. But he's stuff on Marbury's age. So who yeah. was the number one player if Eric Barkley was in his right class? Right, yeah. right. Because <laughs> I was the number one scorer behind Eric Barkley at 28 a game. He was averaging 31. Wow. So I had Rhode Island, University of Minnesota, and Cincinnati to pick from. It's the only two colleges I had. Minnesota was on me hard. I was wanted to go to Minnesota to be around my brother because you remember he was at Minnesota, he was with the Timberwolves at that time. Right. So I was going to go there. So then once Steph decided that I am leaving Minnesota, I'm going to go back home to Jersey. My father said, We're going to go with Rhode Island because I don't want to send you to Cincinnati because it's a it's like a basically it's a junior college school. They accept guys that's from junior college. That's what they was known for, getting guys from junior college. And my father didn't want that for me. Yeah. He wanted me to go play with Coach Carrick. And then Lamar Odom was there. 
which was one of my good friends coming up, you know, in the AU bracket, you know what I'm saying, coming up in the basketball area in the scene. So Lamar used to come down and watch me play. When he came down to watch us play against MCI, I had like 40. <laughs> Killing you. They don't even want to talk about this type of stuff. But Eric Barkley, know, and if you ever get a chance to speak to him, he's going to tell you what's up. Yeah. Oh, we'd love that. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have so many guys on their team that was going to Division One. They had about five guys. It was only me. Wow. So they played a lot of box and ones on me, a lot of schools. At 51 against St. Thomas Moore was um against um Shea Common, Shea, um Shea Cotton School. That's how me and him became friends. But he knew who I was. He knew I was Marbury, but I'm still raw Marbury. You know, Steph's still my kid. You gotta remember, Steph is the best player since he was a kid. Yeah, he knew who you were after People that game, think, though. Huh? <laughs> he knew who you were after that game, though. <laughs> exactly. But you gotta remember, just think about the pressure, the scrutiny that I was going through. You know what I'm saying? People, you're not your brother in the stands. All of that I was experiencing, it was hard, man. But I don't, so when I look back, I don't even know how I got through it. I just really playing basketball because I was from the ghetto. So I really didn't care what people said because everybody, when you were in the ghetto, everybody called you all types of names. Sure. You know sure. what I'm saying? So you used to that. So you just hooping. So just imagine having to play with that. It's definitely, it's definitely just being able to play at peace and just be able to play a game. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of me. So I go, so I go to Milford. They didn't. They, I get the um the McDonald's All American um out of the guys that they gonna pick. I get the top forty guys, and then they circle it down to the twenty four who they gonna pick. And then I, I got the letter McDonald's All American. I got the letter. I'm like, good. I'm in. Next thing you know, March come. They send me another letter to school. So oh, um we 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 appreciate that um you was a nominee, but. When you're not gonna be able to make it this year. I said, What? Wow. So boom. Eric, they took Eric Barkley, they took Ronald Curry, which was deserving to go. He remember, he's a football and basketball player, so he really wasn't no hooper, he just played ball. And they took a kid named Jeff Boshi <laughs> that went to Kansas. And he had no opportunity to go, no talented, no, no disrespect to him. They have no opportunity or talent that I had, not even close. And they took a yeah. kid that was five three, Teddy Dupe. He went to the University of Florida. And that was the four guards that went to the McDonald's All-American game. So you got to remember, when you McDonald's game, most likely you're going to the NBA. Right. Are you going to these get a shot? Hands down. Right. And they already knew. We put him in the McDonald's game. He just came off the sexual harassment case. They don't, they thinking that I did it. You know what I'm saying? That's the name of mine. But I know I didn't do it. They think that I did. I'm one of the most popular kids in the thing. I got about, every, I, I got about 10, 12 different type of females. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend in high school, so I know I didn't touch no girl, whatever they, I sexual harassed, no fear, but I guess that was a setup to be able to knock us off our toes. Boom, Man. I goes to, I goes there, so they didn't give me the letter, boom. Goes to Rhode Island. <laughs> Crazy shit, man. Lamar said, yo, come up here. So June over, I'm eligible, I passed my ACT, everything in line. My father, my mom, and one of my, my brother's lawyers was like, does he need any requirements to be able to play next year? The the NCAA and the eligibility um, committee said, no, he's academically eligible. I goes home for the summer, go train with staff. I goes back in August. I go to school. School start like September. I never forget. It was like yesterday. I goes back to school in August just to go, you know, to get a fill of team. Now, mind you, 
my team is just lost in the Elite Eight to Stanford. So the guys that was leaving, which was Tyson Will and Coutinho Mobley, who went to the NBA, me and Lamar Odom were stepping in their position with the same team, which all of the other guys were seniors now. So yeah. you already know. Putting these two type of talents together with the team that just lost in the Elite Eight, that's national championship. Yeah. For sure. Easy. I got yeah. Lamar Odom with me. <laughs> yeah. And they knew. They knew. You got to remember. They know. You got to remember. The people got the money and the higher up, they already know what's going on. They already see the future. They already see it coming in. You don't think that they know that when guys like LeBron James is coming up, they don't, you don't think that they know that he's going to be coming in next year, he's going to get better. The next year, he's going to get better. Then eventually, he's going to be here. That's what it was always with me. So they already knew. So when me and Lamar Odom was coming, and we had a kid named Tawaris Bell who could jump over a car. He jumped out of the gym. We had that kid coming in, too. I goes to school, eligible. I'm going to school now, right? Every day we going to school. I'm swear to God, you know, because Lamar Odom is supposed to be the number one pick this time coming into the draft, this upcoming draft. Right. I'm talking about CBS, ESPN. Every news outlet was at our practice every day. Every day they was at our practice. This is the God honest truth. You can ask Lamar Odom this. Every day, I'm talking about we gym packed. I'm the point. Lamar the two. Um, Reynolds Dean the three. Ed Cota the four. You remember a kid named Luther K? Luther Clay, he was a McDonald's All-American too. Luther I, Clay, you can look him up. Yeah. He was the five. We went from we went to, we went from not being ranked to the number sixteen team in the country without even playing yet. Practice coming, boom! Practice is crazy. Practice is like movies, man. I swear to God, they like movies. And you gotta remind you, I'm I'm not a great shooter, but I you gotta guard me. Like if I gotta shoot through, you gotta guard. You just gotta play me. Like people used to play me ninety four feet. Oh yeah, with your crossover, absolutely. Not just the crossover, it was my speed. And I used to always draw a foul. I was James Harden before James Harden. Get to the free throw line, shoot 18, 19 free throws. I used to shoot 19. I shot 19, 21 free throws in a, in a, in a college basketball game and hit 19. That's, and only a, that's scored, crazy in a college And game. only scored 24 points that night. One had one field goal. Wow. <laughs> you don't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the truth. I had so... I was basically known as getting to the hole. I was one of the best finish. That's why I was coming out of the, um, high school as the number one finisher and, and going into college. Boom. Going to school, everything. Practice is crazy, my man. Boom. A week before practice, me and Lamar, we sit down. We do a Sports Illustrated joint. And if you nobody noticed, they didn't drop it, though. They didn't wow. bring out the story because let me, let me get you the story. We does we do the Sports Illustrated joint. They come well. They, of course, they want to be do Lamar Odom, and I was stuff on Marbury Brother. And then I had a little name, so they wanted me in the interview too. Boom, we about to do the interview. Coach Harris said, "Oh, they called back. They said they want to do it after the first scrimmage game." Boom, cool, no problem. First scrimmage game. We ain't really care. We young now. You gotta remember, we ain't even thinking. We just whatever. If somebody want to do some whatever, you know. As far as the interview, whatever. As we young, you know, we just trying to make it. Boom. First game, the game before, uh, the day before our first scrimmage at Keeney. We practicing, me and Lamar, we getting shots up together. We go to the Keeney gym at night, like 8 o'clock at night. We get shots up, boom. We was like, yo, we could be in and out of here. But Lamar Odom, 
we was like, we're going to do two years. So nobody didn't know we was going to do two years. This is me and his plan. We're going to do two years. Then we're going to leave. Cause Lamar loved college. He didn't even want to leave. True story. He did. He went on an interview with Vlad, Vlad TV. He was like, yo, I want to go back to school. But I didn't even want to go to the NBA. I want to go back to play with Marbury. <laughs> yeah. To go back to school instead of going to the NBA. But long story short, practice is crazy. We get the shots up. Never forget it's like yesterday, Zach. We get in the shots up. Boom. Day come. All my family come. Gene, the, the gym packed. Game packed. Crazy. Now we got a little gym called Keeney. If you go, if you look up right now, it's like basically like the, the auxiliary gym now. We got a whole, they built a whole new arena for me. A whole new crazy arena because they thought I was gonna stay three years with Harry and everything. Boom. Never forget this story, man. We practicing, we go to shoot around, boom, go to shoot around, whatever. Games at 7:30. We get there. Do you know? That on before the tip of the game, that they told some some guy came over to roll out to, to Coach Harrick and, and told him that I couldn't play. Soon as he told him I could, soon as he told me I could, I wasn't starting. So I'm getting up, right? I'm ready, right? You know, I'm ready to, you know, I'm about to start. You know, I already noticed. He was like, Zach, sit down. So me, my intentions, I'm like, remember, I'm already a hype kid already. I'm like, what you talking about? He said, sit down, something happened right now. You can't play. You got to play next game. When we had another game, too, I'm like, huh? Do you know? All my sisters and brothers is in the stand. As soon as they set me down, my sisters and brothers got up immediately and left. Wow. They already knew that they wasn't going to let me play. It was too good to be true. Yeah. To me and Lamar to get on the same court, whoever was going, the NCAA, whoever knew or whatever, they knew. We can't do it. This kid going to be in the NBA easily. We He already got through the hurdles already, <laughs> the obstacles. So, yeah. boom. They told me I was academic and eligible right before the game tip. Wow. They ain't let me play. So That's as last minute as it gets right there. Yeah. So the crazy thing was I didn't know what to do now. Now, I'm in baby, baby – basically disarray i'm like i don't know what's going on like you know my family already left i didn't even get to see him after the game was over of course i had to sit the game they left i called my brother why y'all leave why y'all leave they was like yo they're not gonna let you play yeah and they was crying like my brother crying <laughs> he because they already know like they already we already got steph now we got him that's a rat now we could run the league. Now we could be able because we they already know my the way my brother trained us, we was gonna be good basketball players in the NBA. No doubt about it. Right. It was the training. Because you yeah. gotta remember, it's the training is what separates you from others. Because a lot of people don't want to put that extra effort. Remember when Kobe said it's that extra effort? Because everybody's good. Cause you in the NBA, right? Yeah. But now it's who can go up here to that extra effort. To be great, but you know certain what? Certain people, you... certain people, is content with being good because they're in the NBA. Yeah, but it's the humble and the hungry and the golly that wanted that extra effort, and that's what we was from scratch. And they just they basically stopped it. So boom, I was going to school for a little bit, and then Coach Harris like, man, you should just go home. You know, this is crazy. So I couldn't stand just just to be able to just to watch them play. And then they was shit. They wasn't good. Now, Lamar Odom had to convert to the point guard position. That's why Lamar was playing point that year. 
But he really wasn't have a great year, but he did good because he was Lamar Odom. He was gifted. Sure. <laughs> right. Of course, the NBA was going to take him. He was 6'10 with a 7'2 wingspan. Could do everything. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I already knew he was going to get drafted. So Lamar comes to me. True story. I come back to school in March, right? I go home. I go with my brother to Jersey. I go live in Jersey. Go work out. I'm stressed now. So now I'm just living a life. It's kicking back, living a luxury life. Big house, Bentley, Range Rovers, all type of vehicles you could think of is there. Ferraris. I'm in everything now. I'm stressed. But not knowing I'm stressed. I'm losing my conscience. Not even knowing I'm losing my conscience. Because I'm a young kid. And I just went through trauma that I didn't even really know it was trauma. But my brothers and them knew it was trauma. Go home, come back. My mom was like, yo, this is the worst year ever I had in my life. I couldn't believe they did that to you. Yeah. Boom. He was like, yo, I'm coming back to school. I'm playing with you next year, so don't even worry. And I looked Lamar and I told him, you got to remember, I'm, my, I'm already rich now. My family ready in India. I said, yeah. Lamar, I know his grandmother person. I said, Lamar, you be a damn fool. I'm going to be in the NBA. Go get your money, man. Go get your money. Take care of your family, yo. Take care yeah. of your family. And he'll tell you this. He'll cry when he tell you this. Because he know I'm not lying. Go take care of your family, man. Yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there another year, too. I got Harrick. I know I'm going to win. Boom. Do you know what they did, man? So, boom. They did two, maybe a month later, Lamar declares for the draft. Do you know that my, my oldest brother, Eric, his alma mater, which is Georgia, University of Georgia, they comes in and offer Coach Harrick $3 million. Oh wow! To go to go to Georgia because they wanted to get me <laughs> to bring the little brother there to Georgia. Yeah, and then you transfer over to Georgia. Harris, yeah. right? Harris takes the three yeah. million, and Coach Harris talked to you before he even took the million. That's why I love Harris the death because he came to me and says that I got three million on the table from Georgia. I want to know if your family will let you go there and play there because I'm only making two hundred and eighty-five thousand from. Rhode Island. Yeah. Wow. I said, you'd be a damn fool <laughs> yeah. to not go get that damn, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm going to judge him. Do you know that? Boom. So he goes, Harry goes, put the paper in work. Oh, I'm going to bring my, um, I want Marbury to transfer with us because he already, I signed the letter and everything. Do you know the, my athletic director, Ron Preacher, did not release me? That's made me stay insane. there and then give me my letter to go to, the, to, to Georgia? That is insane. I mean, and then they, and then they listen. This is how I knew this was more of a higher up deal. Then they stuck me in Rhode Island. Then we was shit. We won 13 games in two years. Jeez. Wow. And we so, was terrible. My talent, I was scoring 38, 40 points in boxing ones. Like I sent you my college stats. I was killing the individual. I'm like, damn, y'all already know what y'all did to me. At least now you could just say, all right, well, we know he's not going to win like a Arizona or Duke where they got four or five pros on their team. So you ain't going to really see their mistakes that they make. So you see my greatness, but you see my mistakes also. You're supposed to take the talent if a kid can go and score 38 to 40 points in college right. with no help yeah. on a high level, a Division One high-level school. Would you play in all types of Cincinnati, all types of big schools? You're supposed to go take that talent and use stuff on my very little brother. Yeah. So you really supposed to go draft that talent. What they right. do, they made me suffer. <laughs> wow. And yeah. then I had to leave school. And I was like, man, that's on my sophomore year. After my two years, I said, I can't play it no more. I can't. So that's when I went to the draft. Entered the draft. 
Boom. They ain't thought I was going to get drafted. Nobody ever thought because I didn't really win or whatever. Really. But I had all the talent. I go to the draft, and I was the number one player in the whole draft. My brother was sitting right there courtside watching the draft, the pre-draft camp, watching all the other players. I bust everybody else. The, the best game we had was when I sent you that text was between me and Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. Because Gilbert wasn't supposed to go that, that low in the draft because I was going 30 to the Warriors. Right. Gilbert was supposed to be an early first round because you got to remember, they just came off the NCAA championship, but they lost. But he didn't have a good game, but he still was nice. He's better than Richard Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. can tell that to, to what he did in the NBA, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? So me and Gilbert was going at at camp. I blew off the I won, I was the number one person in the stress test, the treadmill running. Only thing I felt was the uh the weightlifting because I hurt my shoulder when I was playing. I didn't tell him that I hurt it. So I couldn't really push no more when I uh things I didn't tell him that. So I couldn't lift it. So they said they make a joke, my brother, like. You and Kevin Durant was the only ones that and couldn't lift the 135, the bench press. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, yeah, he was number two. I mean, he's the number one scorer in the world. <laughs> they ain't draft me. So, they ain't give me no love. At least they gave him love. So, so, yeah, man. So that's what they did to me, man. So it's just – that's what happened, man, as far as the Rhode Island. It was a sad situation. It was just – it was yeah. like, wow. I just, I just couldn't believe that they did – what they did because there wasn't really no reason to do it. But when you coming from where we coming from and you, you seeing the vision and you seeing the talent and you seeing that they got a mind of their own. Right. And which has come from my father, because my father, like I said, he was a very educated man. So and my dad never played basketball. He ran track. That's how we had the speed. It was my cousins who played basketball and my oldest brother took from my, my cousins. And then that's how he taught the game to us. Yeah. Well, I got to ask after, you know, everything that you went through and, you know, with the draft and everything, you ended up overseas. So I, I just got to ask, how did you end up going overseas? Like, how did you make that decision on what country to go to? And what was your overall experience like there? Well, after the draft. Right. So, boom, they didn't draft me. So I did. I had went to um, I got picked up by the Portland Trailblazers. So I'm there with Portland Trailblazers. That's when Zach Randolph was just that was his sophomore year. And Quintel Woods, that was his sophomore year. So I gave Pico, I had an agent by the name of Merle Scott, which was Vince Carter's agent also. So me and Merle Scott, that was one of my biggest mistakes in my career. And I always would say that to myself because I have to be, you got to be honest with yourself sometimes in order to be real with right. yourself. You know what I'm saying? And if you could be real with yourself, it makes your life so much easier and people respect you more because he was honest all through what he went through. So I shouldn't have never fired them, Merrill Scott. Because I was in my mind and my intention that, oh, I'm I'm who I am, I'm Marbury, you know, we could we could still gonna get in, which is a bad thing because I wasn't like stuff on stuff on and Allen Iverson when they was coming out, they was prime cook state. It was already done. Me, I needed development as far as getting a couple of years under my belt in the league, practicing, letting the coaches get me acclimated to the system. Yeah, and no you know saying? back then, really. Yeah, it was a, it was a difference. So, and so a lot of guys needed that, you know, two, three years to develop, and then boom, they took off. That's what Gilbert did, right? So I'm yeah. pretty sure me having those battles, me and him going through what we went through, I'm pretty sure who knows what my career would have went just like his career. I right. knew I would have been a great basketball player as far as the NBA, and that wasn't even the question. The question was the opportunity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean – you got your opportunity overseas a little bit. And, um, but for our listeners, what countries did you play 
at overseas, but also I love this question. What, what's the wildest experience that you had playing overseas, whether it's in the game or living in another, in another country? Like what is that one memory that always comes to mind where it's like, wow, that was wild. Well, first when I, before I went overseas, which was the first, the first year, that's when I was with Portland backtrack. I was with Portland and then, we goes, we we goes, I guess to Portland, boom. Mo Cheeks is the head coach at the time. We plan, we plan. I beat like six or seven guards out. Mo Cheeks called me to the office. Boom. This is when Damon Stoudemire was the point guard. He was like, yo, you do what you got to do in, in, in Summer League, Utah. I'm going to sign you. And I want you to back up Stoudemire. Boom. I go, to the, I go to the camp. I'm doing great. Doing great. I'm starting every practice. He's there for like three weeks in Portland. Then we go to Utah to play in Summer League. Boom, they sent me down, benched me. Coach Dan Panaggio didn't play me not one minute. They couldn't even get the ball over the court. We went one and six in the whole summer league. Boom, I go from there. I leave from there. They didn't play me, so boom, I didn't really get no recognition. Then I go from there. I went to, I went to the Philippines first. Went to a place called the Manila. You ever heard of Manila in the Philippines? Oh, yeah. Okay, I went to the Manila. Went there, play was long. Like it was so, so much poverty there, and the place that they sent me, it was just, it wasn't really. That you really, we didn't even really have a basketball court, right? You know, like you know, back then at that time, like now everything is more better, but we didn't even have a basketball court really. Like the gym that they had playing, the the, the team I went to, they had the a little bit of the money, but they didn't really have the you know everything around it to be able to feel like it's a basketball house. You know, when you 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 want to when you working that hard, you want to be able to get your treatment all at one vicinity. You don't want to have to go over here. We had to drive over here in the Manila, over there in the Manila, over there. It was just so many different crazy scenarios that we had to do when we was over there. So boom, I left. You got to remember now, I'm still living a good life. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like I'm like struggling in one one of these guys that's dying for a job and need to go overseas and play. I have a lifestyle already. I have a house. I have cars already, you know, already in my life. So it's not like I'm on it to where I'm, I'm stressed. So I leave the Manila, go home. I get end up getting ankle surgery because my ankle was kind of messed up. Gets the ankle surgery. And then after my ankle surgery, it took me like a year and a half. Then I started getting back on the scene. Started training with my brother. Started training him. Started getting back acclimated. And then boom, that's when I went to China for a tour to be able to make the team. I go to China for a tour. Did pretty good. It was a great, it was a lot of a lot of guys. I, actually, it's like over, I can't figure. They're not in the NBA right now, but it was like three other guys who was on that tour with me that actually went to the NBA. Well, they went to the CBA, which my brother played in, and then they went to the NBA for like two, three years. And then what I, I don't know what they did after that, but Went there, had my surgery, and then just shut it down. Yeah. Live, live. Got started training with my brother. Then after that, I really started to understand that I was missing the game of basketball. That that's when all of the start the trauma and all of the stuff started to hit me from back then. Like, damn, like how the hell I didn't get drafted? Like I was on the level with Demar Johnson. Al Harrington, I'm playing against guys like the top dudes. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? So how am they there? How am I not this? So you know, these all these thoughts is going through my mind now, as I'm still living a lifestyle. Right. 
So it's a difference. Remember when I told you, it's a difference when you're not living that lifestyle and you are. <laughs> it's a yeah. whole different. Then your, your sibling is at the top of his game and at the top of the league. So it's really like it's no greatness. So I'm going through all of this. So boom, I snap back in it. And then I get a, my brother gets traded to the Knicks. Right? Remember that picture I sent you? Oh, yeah. brother gets to the Knicks. Boom. I wasn't even in no type of shape. I mean, I was in good shape, but I wasn't in pro shape. It's a difference between you in shape and pro shape. Oh, yeah. My mental, my mental wasn't there or anything. So when I got, when the Knicks gave me an opportunity to play with their summer league team, I wasn't even as far as basketball mentally and physically, I wasn't there. So I got beat out by Andre Barrett. Remember Andre Barrett? He went to Seton Hall, one of my good friends. He played with the NBA, with the Houston Rockets. And the Suns, he could play. Yeah, decent guy. Decent basketball player. Him, so it was me, him, and Trevor Ariza. And Mike Sweeten. That's when the Knicks drafted Mike Sweeten. You remember when he went number nine? I'm a a huge Knicks fan, man. (laughs) Yeah, so you know. I know know very well. Trevor in the second round. Yep. Right. I was on that team. They they first year I was on the, that that summer league team, but I wasn't ready because they wanted to. Isaiah wanted to pair me and stuff on in the garden. Wow. To play with each other. Yeah. But I lost that opportunity because of me, because I wasn't ready. And some people are like, oh, they jerked me. No, you got to be real with yourself. <laughs> I didn't play good. I wasn't ready. So then that's when I had. Once I did that, I didn't make the team. Now I'm kind of mad at my brother because I'm thinking in my mind I did good. <laughs> so I ain't make the team. So now I'm mad at my brother. Because I'm thinking I did good. Now when you go when I backtrack as my mind's clearer, I understand that. I really didn't, you know, I didn't do what was required. Right. Now the work that I like, I'm putting it now. And I know if I was putting the work in, like I put it for the last 12 years, if I was doing that then, like that hungry, even though I was still living a good life, that hungry. It would have been a no-brainer if that I would have been on the team. You understand what I'm saying? But I was living a luxury lifestyle at that time while I was trying to strive to get to the NBA. And it wasn't that same push as it was for another person that was trying to make it to the NBA. You understand what I'm saying? So That's hard to balance, for sure. Yeah, it's very hard to balance. And it was very – then coming from where I come from, which is the projects, not having nothing, you know, and then just jumping into Ferraris and Bentleys and (laughs) – it's just yeah it's just a boom you know it's just like just your life go from a to from a to z in a matter of minutes yeah that's a hard one to that's a hard one to navigate because a lot of times you're you're for that goal to making it to the league and a lot of times make it to the league to take care of your family right now you're already taken care of and it's 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 how do you shift that gear plus you're so young too right and i don't think a lot of people understand that stuff where they you know they'll the, what they have an idea of as a professional ball player they don't realize you know 18 19 20 21 years old i mean you look back on you know being that age i mean i can look back on that age i know zach can look back on that age you're not you're not fully developed in terms of of knowing what you what you have to go through you know what i mean but you're put in that position where like you said stepping into ferraris you know steph's your brother you know he's playing on the big stage he's you know he's he's killing it in the league you know it's it's I don't even know how you did that. I want to ask you a question, though, that I, I think is kind of interesting from talking to you today. Um, playing overseas, did you tell Steph how awesome it was to play overseas? Was that the bug that got him to go overseas when the Knicks 
we're we're basically jerking him around or how does how does Steph get there? Do you do you influence him like to go play overseas? Actually no. What happened was that whole thing was basically, man, like I told you, man, they was trying to really cancel our life. Like they was trying to see people think like, oh, he went to China, that was set. We had no option. Right. It was just God that sent us to China. And this is the truth of the honest truth. My brother didn't know when 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 they did all what they was doing in the NBA, or whatever, we didn't have no outlet as a unit. And you gotta remember me and my brother Stefan, we like this. So when you see him, you see me. Yeah. So we together all the time. So his pain is my pain, and my pain is his pain. So we didn't have nowhere to go at all. So basically, they really did their job as far as canceling. They didn't know my brother was gonna go to China and, and have a statue next to Bruce Lee. Right. They didn't know my brother was going to go and have a, a stat, go have a, a a statue in a museum on the richest road on the planet. They didn't know that. Yeah. They didn't know he was going to go over there and win three championships after being to... the number one point guard for 13 years and averaging 20 points and eight assists. And the only person besides Oscar Robinson to ever do it on the planet. They didn't know that. But you tell me that these guys not a 75 best player. You tell me that this kid is not a, a game changer. He's the one that started the culture. Of what the culture was with tattoos and bald heads and AI with the with the with the bra- tattoo uh, with the braids and bald heads. They started everything. Yeah. Before them, if you really look back, it wasn't none of that. Right. They opened it up for all of us. And these guys are so selfish that they try to cancel. They don't even say happy birthday to my brother on the NBA platform when his birthday comes. Yeah. How do you not say? And he's uh, the accolades. That he has, nobody won the championship. That's the only thing he ain't doing the NBA. Right. Nobody really won the championship. Right. So when you go to all these guys that they saying this and that, and they didn't even have the names he even had coming from knife being a young kid. <laughs> Thinking of being a young kid, the accolades he sustained. Oh, yeah. At that level, continuously, all the way to the top and stayed there. Yeah. It was only him, Allen Iverson, and, and um, Kobe Bryant was the max guards in the NBA. All them other dudes wasn't max players. Steve Nash, Chauncey Billups, none of them guys wasn't maxed out players. Yeah. They yeah. was the first three guards to get maxed out point guard contracts. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. If you yeah. max out twice in basketball, that means that you don't even have to go into the office to have no talking. You already know the number. What's the yeah. most you can give? Yeah. Okay, I can give. I can give you more. I can give you one twenty for five years. Okay, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Thank you. Well, yeah. I signed. Ain't no negotiation. Oh, you think you can bring it down to one eighteen? None of that. What's the highest you can go? Yeah. What's yeah. the max? This is the type of players that I was coming up on. <laughs> That's what people don't really understand how hard it was for me. <laughs> yeah. Coming up, going through scrutiny, going, you're not going to be as better as them. You're not going to be as good. Some people had me better than them. But it was so much stress that my game was fluctuating sometimes. And you not knowing because of the stress that you're going through. As a young kid, you just thinking that you're just playing and you just, I, I look it off. But as you get older, it, it, it takes a wear and tear on you. And it did. So we didn't have no outlet as far as um, that we know. We didn't have nowhere to go. He was thinking about Italy because of the deal that Ramon told you in the beginning that that's where I was going to go. The first, the best, worst thing I could have did when he had the deal on the table for me to go to Italy, 
after I did get drafted and I said, no, I'm going to the NBA. He was so mad at me, kind of fell out a little bit because he already knew, though, you could do modeling. You got a nice look. You got a great build for Z. Then you could play ball. Then you could come back to the NBA. But my mind wasn't expanded that way. Right. To see deeper that far the way he was seeing. My mind was seeing nothing but right here, right now, NBA. You in the NBA, you the number one player. I'm playing against you every day. We competing against every day. You killing everybody. I'm playing against you every day. I know I can be able to play against these dudes easily. He knew. But he was like, yo, it's bigger than that. They're not going to let it happen like that. And I didn't understand what he meant. So my point was, like, as far as the, the Chinese situation, we didn't know. It was just the grace of God. And his wife told him, you need to do something. Well, you know, I'm glad he did, too. Like I said, I'm a huge Knicks fan, and I've always been a huge fan of your brother, you know, coming into the league for sure. And I was always wanting him to be on the Knicks. You know, I know when he put on the Nets, I was like, why is he not playing on the Knicks? And I remember, you know, waking up and seeing he got traded, you know, to the Knicks, all that stuff. The thing that I was so happy for for him was the peace of mind he seemed to really have when he went over to China and how much he was accepted over there. And I just felt that you could feel that that peace and that just, you know, because New York didn't do him right. I mean, in my opinion, personally, they didn't play him. They, 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 I, I don't feel like they did him right at all. And I, and I was so happy for him that it just seemed like, you know, everything was good when he went over there and it just seemed like this, he hit that next level spiritually and just, it was, it was really amazing to see. I mean, we all did. I mean, like I said, he's me, I'm him. So yeah, we all did, you know, so whatever he suffers with, I suffer too. Whatever he, whatever he get peace out of, I get peace out of too. And people don't understand that they think that everything is about money. They think if you got a lot of money, you at the best peace as well. But sometimes peace is more, being like getting love from others yep. that's more peaceful than money yep because especially when you were at the level in the plateau that he was at for so many years the money really don't mean nothing because you experienced that 10 times over sure god will let you let you experience some things that others didn't ever that were never probably never even see on this planet to the day he already let my brother experience that so now when he went to china he saw that the love that they have, which I live there too. That's my second home. I have a home there too. Yeah. Right down the street from my brother. Like basically right around the corner, the same buildings. The peace that they show you, the love that they show you, because the reason why he endures that peace now is because he embraced the culture. Right. He showed them that he loved them just like they loved him. Yeah. And my brother had multiple times when he won the first championship in, in the CBA. That's like winning a championship for the New York Knicks. And you know what I'm talking about, Eric, right? Because you're a big fan. Yeah. So when you win a championship for the Knicks, you get all types of everything. Accolades, commercials, everything. Real, real estate. Everybody want to do something with you because your face is on that championship, right? Yeah. That's what it was with, like in Beijing. Eat a face. So you're the biggest black dot on the whole planet was 1.2 billion population we got access to 300 million basketball players that's what people don't understand if we, we if we, that's what i want to die at too i want me and my brother like when we put my mother to rest that's why i want to die at because i know it's no stress i know i know that here they all about negativity negativity sells everything i'll be looking on the internet at times 
for positive stuff and the positive stuff I see, you get no likes. You don't see nobody liking it, nobody viewing it. But I get I look at all the negative stuff, you see 8.6 <laughs> .6 million, 9.8 yeah. million. I'm like, damn. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 it that's is a, true. That's unfortunately. factory, right? Yeah. Is that factory, yeah. Zach? But that is factory. That's fact. I mean, <laughs> like that, like that's factory, right? <laughs> that's fact. I don't say that's a fact. Everybody say that. I'm my own person. That's factory. All the way through. Stay. Like, I'm, st I'm stealing everything. that. I like that. Yeah, that's factory, that. man. So when you live it like it's just ridiculous, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when he found that piece. And he told my mother, like, I'm not coming back, mom. I'm not, you know, this is where I want to die at. My mother accepted it, even though she loved her kid. And of course, she wanted to be here with her. But she saw that her son was in peace because she saw the experience and the stress that they put on us and my whole entire family for years and years and years. But we was able to come out and look at us. Nobody expect me to look like this. Come on, look how I look, man. Look. Look great, man. People especially look like you stressed. You got hail over your face. You, you just look old. You worn down. I'm giving back to the culture. Yeah. That's what I'm doing now. I'm training kids. That's really good. That's worth my time. So I know that we'll have a fair shot. I don't really train people that I don't feel like they got a same shot. I look because it's a million other people that's doing training. They can train with them. But I want to give my knowledge, and I've learned from so many individuals, so many professional basketball players over time and time and time that I was able to be around as a young kid, being around my brother, being around all of the NBA Hall of Famers, KG, Paul Pierce, all these dudes, Barron, all these dudes is like family to me when they see me. They're not like they know me. So that's kind of that's more of a respect to me because I know the platform and the plateau that they was on. And I don't know if they can respect me in that way. Too. What's up, Zach? When they see me, that's love for me. That's show me that I'm already a pro. It's just that they didn't give me the fair shot. And people don't know the story. And now you got the story to show people to like, oh, that's what happened why he didn't make it. Because everybody always say, yo, why you never, you look so good. Why you don't play basketball around the NBA? I'm like, come on, man. I'm not worried about the NBA. NBA is just a game. They took that. They took that fun away. The fun is when you're young, when you play in the NBA. The fun is not now when you you oh you want to. No, it's not about that. Yeah. Once Let's build the next future to who gonna be great. That's what yeah. I want. So my question is, it sounds like you got a documentary to tell. I mean, I really I do, but I, I in a in a in a, in a frame of some I really. I, I'm looking at it as doing it as topics, like topics meaning like a Netflix series or something like that, like something sure. like to where you because I got so many topics that I, you can ask me a question and I could talk to you for 15 minutes and it could be so interesting and things that you would never know because you wasn't inside. Right. So you got to be inside to know these things. If you wasn't there, you ain't gonna know. <laughs> right. You're just gonna assume about who this person is. Like I know who KG is because I slept in his house. I know Chauncey Billups is because he slept in my bed. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know Baron Davis is because I played basketball with him in pro-ams. You know, I know these guys. You know what I'm saying? I know Paul Pierce is. I know Shreve Abdur. You know, I'm, I'm talking about Hall of Famers. I ain't talking about guys that's, when I say a name, you be like, yo, scratch your head. <laughs> like, who's that? You feel me? <laughs> I'm saying people who, it's a fact. You know, these guys is who groomed me. You know, wow. and who pushed Steph. 
to be able to be the number one player, to be the top players. Because you got to remember, the way we think our guys is coming after us, we, you already know, we got to get better. Yeah, yeah. That and that's what, the household rule. <laughs> well, and that's why we love our show, man, because we get an opportunity to learn more and learn and learn really good stories. You know, that's what's so important to us. It's, 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 it's respecting the game but respecting the person and understanding the story behind them. I mean, I think that's huge, you know, because a lot of times you are right. You don't get the real story, you know, and you were right about the negativity and all this other stuff. It's like people aren't looking for the positive parts of the stories. People aren't looking for, you know, the adversity and, and things like that. And everything that we learned from you today, I mean, is huge. It's it's enormous. And it's and I know a lot of our listeners are going to really enjoy this this podcast interview because, you know, you were 100% real with us and super enjoyed it. We want to do a quick lightning round with you. Zach's going to ask the questions. It's just a couple of cool little one one or two word answer questions to some questions that Zach's got. You ready for the lightning round? Absolutely, Absolutely. brother. Awesome. All right. Well, my first question to you is we always hear about some some of the street basketball legends from the Earl Manigolds, Joe Hammonds. I mean, the list goes on. But was there one guy from the playgrounds that comes to mind that never made it to the NBA that just wowed you? Um, this kid named Booger Smith. Okay. I know Booger Smith. Yeah. Booger Smith. He was a show. Yeah. And he was like really cool with me too. So he was really cool. He used to come to, he used to come to Coney Island playing our tournament. We used to have, cause Coney Island used to have a really big popular tournament. And we used to have our gym. We used to, our, our basketball court is called the garden. It's basically our Madison square garden. So everybody from all over across Brooklyn, Bronx, they used to come playing our basketball tournament. Booger was one of the guys that I would say when I coming up at that time, because I don't know Aramanico and all the guy, other guy that was a little younger, but Booger at that time, he definitely was a guy that you want to see be able to, you know, throw some dishes and dimes in a, in, on a pro level. Yeah, that's a great name you threw out. I'm glad you threw that one out there. Um, who was your toughest cover as a player? The one guy you just couldn't figure out how to guard? Martha Johnson. Okay. Because I used to have to guard the – basically – the reason why, if you ever watch basketball, right, if you ever watch my brother play, uh, you never really got a chance to see me on thing. They haven't even got no college tapes. They, I asked for college tapes for my game finish. They said, oh, we don't have anything. When I called my school, I'm like, wow, I can't get no footage. So I knew, like, that time they was basically, like, they didn't even care. <laughs> yeah. Everything is whatever. No, everything is erased with you. Yeah. But I said, what about the other game? Oh, we got those games with some I'm like, damn. Wow. But <laughs> – <laughs> this is the truth but long story short um uh what you say again uh demar johnson toughest cover Demar johnson toughest cover because yeah going back to that if you ever watched me and my brother play my brother always got the two guards right he never really got the point guards because of the strength of the leg ability so we able to be able to hold our ground so when we got it. so they always used to put me on the bigger guys when i used to play aau up Pro basketball. So Demar Johnson, because he was so smooth, so silky. He was like, I told you, he was KD before KD. Right. This is the God honest truth. The, the, the crossover, the yank. The yank is really Demar Johnson. How KD a yank you twice and yank you again and then pull up. Yeah. That's Demar Johnson. So he was really one of my toughest covers, really, that I ever. Yeah, he was nice back then. And and you're right. When you put a smaller guard on a taller guard, uh, it, it does bother you. I don't like it when smaller guards guard me. So I'm, I'm yeah, glad you yeah, popped yeah, that yeah. up. Because sure. you're all in them. And now you got to be able to watch your <laughs> dribble. You got to stay low on your dribble because I'm yeah. quick. I'm going to get the steal. I always feel like I'm going to get undercut, He was, so he was yeah. a freak. He was a freak. Jamal Johnson, he was a freak. For sure. Uh, the number 33 seems to be a number that runs in the family. Uh, is there any significant meaning to wearing the number 33? 
Actually, it's not. We were stuck with that number because the number three wasn't available. So in third in college, number three, um, Mr. Cheney, which is uh, Mr. Keeney, which was the basketball gym at my college, was named after. He was number three. Okay. So that's why I wasn't able to win number three in college. And my brother wore thirty three in um and uh. New Jersey, right? And New, New Jersey, Jersey because of yep. Jason Petrovich, his, the number was retired, number three. Remember Jason Petrovich that died? Absolutely. Right. So he couldn't win number three there. So that's the only reason why 33 is implemented in our lives. <laughs> okay. Uh, any weird superstitions that you or a teammate had that come to mind? Uh, not so much. Okay. Not so much. It's really pretty uh, cool. Okay. Uh, I mean – what does a Marbury legacy mean to you? I know that's kind of a deep question, but I mean, obviously it's a very special legacy, I mean, globally, I mean, globally. So what does a Marbury legacy mean to you? It's a brand. Yeah. It's like, it's like Pepsi's. It's like Coke. It's like when you hear it, when you hear it, somebody pronounce it, you know what it is. It's a yeah. brand. So I look at a, as this, my family as a brand. Okay. And uh, my final question, you I ask everybody this. It's always a fun one. But what's your favorite basketball memory, if you had to pick just one? What's that one that comes to mind? That Al Harrington game. Um, my Al Harrington game where we played on the, um, outside the basketball gym and we went at it. That was, for me, my most memorable as far as enjoying game, being a kid, hooping, went to three overtimes. That was probably one of my favorite playing against that type of individual at that time at that time he was the number one player on in the world at that time unbelievable talent actually he's basically like a little big brother to us that stuff on basically stuff on little brother stuff on took care of him and basically brother man at the time when it was when it was a lockout when he came out for the draft when he went to indiana it was a time that you know steph was really really there for him and to this day they still really good friends so Al Harrington is probably one of my most memorable games, and rest in peace to my 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 best one of my best best friends, Rasul Butler, who passed away in a car crash uh, in L.A. He, uh, me and him, we went at it um, when we Rhode Island against the South. We actually beat them, and um, he had I had thirty eight and he had thirty nine, and we beat them by one. Wow, it was one of my best games as far as and and of course the Rucker Park when we won the championship. When I supposed to got the MVP, the oh, second yeah. year, yeah, I'm saying it. The Rucker Park, <laughs> we won three chips at the Rucker when we was unstoppable. That second year when we won the championship, I supposed to got the MVP, but they gave it to Steph because, of course, he was in the league. I had 24 that game, and Steph had 25. Finished with the MVP, and those are probably one of my most memorable. That was fun because everything else, you know, my you know my my wives was cut as far as my career. So I, I just had a lifestyle to live and I'm just glad that it made me, you know, it, it, it kind of hindered me a lot, but it made me who I am today. And, you know, if I, if I ask God to change it, the only thing I would change as far as my, to, to go back and change as far as my attitude, or understanding what they wanted so I could act accordingly to how they wanted me. So I could just be able just to go right in. Instead of just being a kid from the projects and being, you know, spoiled and, you know, you know, you just think about it, you got a bunch of cousins and you just and you the head of the honcho <laughs> and all your cousins follow everything that you do. You know, that was the situation with me. Like I was really a leader. That's why my name is Moses. My name is really not my, my, my middle name is Zachariah. My first name is Moses. 
Oh, wow. So that's why I'm a leader. So that's something that I know you guys never knew me, too. And we know now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, is there anything you would like to add or promote? Um, well, only thing I really want to promote right now is like I'm um, I'm involved with so how I take care of my body. I'm really in tune as far as my health, my diet, and everything. As far as everyday life, my motto right now is for the world is to die healthy and to not be able to die with pain. Yeah. And to wear that, you have to be doing the right thing as far as taking care of your body on a day-to-day basis. It's just not a two weeks you take care of your body, then, oh, I feel good. And then you go back to converting to your old self. So my model is die healthy. So I'm, uh, my thing is taking care of my health and everything. And right now I have this, this brand I'm taking, it's called Enso. It's off the chain, man. I want you guys to really go check it out. And so drivers, you know, anybody that really having trouble sleeping after they have a hard days of work, this is really good product for you is just to pop one in and just relax. And this one right here is called drive. It, it just drives you to be able to, to be able to keep going. It gives you that energy, that burst, and any other and any other thing that you're going, it's just another supplement. But the best thing about the supplements that I have, these are natural. These don't Which have is no really extra. important. Which is very important because a lot of guys are using all of these things to be able to sell products. I don't want to do that. Like I said, I want you guys in the world to die healthy. And this is the way that you die healthy is by taking things that's going to be able to have your body feeling like when you put that gas in it, when you don't got no gas in your car and your car ain't running good. And then you put that gas in and you. (laughs) Right. That's what these type of vitamins do. It gives you that boost immediately and you can feel the effect and and of course you know just one in one day hopefully that somebody can hear this story and to to give me an opportunity to share my thoughts to the world to the people that's out there the basketball players that are out there that thinking that they're gonna make it and thinking that all of this is basketball and it's really not i want i want to be a messenger i want to be a messenger i want to be a god messenger to be able to let the people know that focus on school take it serious because just don't focus on basketball. Because if you focus on one thing, that could hurt your basketball game. So yeah. now if you focus on two things as far as your schoolwork, your books, and your, your basketball, your game, now that, that creates what? Your IQ to start working. So now when your IQ working, now when you're playing a game of basketball, you could be able to think the game ahead of others. Yeah. yeah. When you're tired and things. So I don't know. That's the one thing I want to do to be able to get out here and to tell these dudes to be able to uh to just be able to keep striving, man. But you gotta do it the right way. Cause a lot of see a lot of these kids, they all Mr. Marvey, can I train train with you? I, I tell them I'm not a trainer. I really just do personal training for the people where I know that I really did. Cause when you're dealing with all types of kids, you want them to be right, man. Yeah. In today's day, all of the access to the negativity that they got and they see. All of the music that they listen to, the drug, the, the gun violent drugs. I think that they got to stop that. I know I understand it's creating revenues, likes and clicks. And I know when you, when you create clicks and likes, it's basically a bunch of money. But sometimes you got to think about the kids' future, man. And it's the true. thing that they're putting out there on the platforms, I just think that it's too dangerous. And then when they go out there and shoot up each other, everybody, and then everybody's, then everybody wants to start crying. Yeah. But what, if you don't promote it, then how would they do it? 
No, that's that's true, and that's a great point. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you today, and I think your message is really strong. And and uh, I think a lot of the listeners, are, you know, that have gotten all the way through this podcast have definitely gotten a lot out of it. Also, um, before we let you go, um, Zach, is there anything you, else you want to tell Zach about? being on the show today <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know it gets confusing with two zacks but uh, right. I, I, I just want to say what an honor this was honestly i mean i've i've always heard a lot about you as a player and it's just a joy to learn more about you and your journey and you know growing up with stefan and you know just everything uh that, that you guys have done for basketball globally and i think you send out a great message about uh not letting basketball use you but to use basketball you know, and yes. I think that's such a great message for our younger listeners, especially. So I just want to thank you and just let you know what an honor this was for us. We really appreciate you. Oh, man, I just thank you guys kindly. And I want you guys, the code to this will be my um, my house for the uh, park, um, for the code. When you want to call in and you want to get my vitamin stuff, just press my house. I'll just put a little, little hookup thing because you guys not in my house. So I just wanted to put my house. That's awesome. Cold, you know, it's just for you guys. But yeah, man, I just want to say thank you guys kindly, man. You guys have been awesome. I mean, the questions are great. Everything, the vibe was right. The energy was right. God had his hand over it. And and everything came out the truthful way. You know, there was no lies in here. It was all facts, all, all honesty. And hopefully that, you know, people can hear this and be able to take something out of it and understand what a kid like me coming from, how I came up, you know, the luxury life that I came up and to be able to still stand and be able to give you all the message that I gave today. Yeah, we, we appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Make sure you stay safe out there and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Yes, love is love. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Take care. Take care. Well, that was a great interview with Zach Marbury. I mean, how cool was it to speak to a Marbury and a ton of great stories. It, it's really interesting, you know, and we do hear this from some of our guests on uh, the paths they take and, and the opportunities they have and, you know, that next level and how hard it is actually to get to the next, that next level. It's, it's something I don't think a lot, of, a lot of people do know, and I'm glad we get to bring those stories to our listeners. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people really thought about his journey either. I mean, he had to follow in his brother's footsteps, which isn't easy to do when he's such a big deal in the NBA. Um, so, I mean, his journey wasn't easy. I mean, it wasn't easy to make a name for himself, but here he is making a name for himself, doing big things, and, you know, he should be really proud of that. And, I mean, what an honor it was to have him, I mean, with everything that Marbury has done globally. I mean, not just, you know, in the States, but I mean, what he's done in China and just all around the world, it's really a special thing and truly an honor to speak with the Marbury. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun today. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, and, and if you don't have, if you don't have siblings that are really good at something that you also do, I don't think you understand that magnitude. And especially with someone that, you know, I mean, Steph is just, you know, to me, he's one of the best point guards that, that has played over the last 30 years, essentially. And it's oh, like easy. trying to live up to that has got to be – I can't even comprehend how difficult that would be. I mean, you see that with people where it's not just sports, right? Music, acting, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's that one. He's not as good as his brother or he's not as good as his sister. And it's like the pressure, and especially like we talked about in the interview, you know, it's like being young. I mean, people are judged too much – you know, at a young age, not understanding that there's so many things you haven't gone through. And most people that are judging them are like grown adults and not realizing like, how were you when you were, 
you know, 17, 18, 19. I mean, how much, how much did you really know? You know, how mature were you really? And I'm not saying that Zach wasn't mature. I'm just saying like in general, how, how much did you know to make decisions that you felt like were the best educated decision? Because I know I can look back on my life and see a bunch of things I did at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 and just go, oh man, did I really do that? And knowing that at my age now, I'm like, oh, I totally would have done that differently. But like he said, it's about the journey and it's about getting to where you're going to and all the stuff that comes with the journey, I think is important. Yeah. And I just love what he's doing now. I mean, with all the training he's doing, I mean, he's giving back to the game and uh, I, I loved what he was talking about earlier. You know, don't let basketball use you. Use basketball. Use basketball as, uh, you know, your ticket to success and, you know, to open other opportunities. And that's what he's doing. He's taking other opportunities. He's making the most of it. And like I said, he's making a great name for himself. And, you know, like I said, just an honor, honor to speak with him. You know, I was a big, a huge fan of his brothers, one of my favorite players ever. But it was truly, I've heard a lot about him, loved him at Rhode Island. It was a lot of fun to learn about him. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love this that he stressed about, you know, school and opportunities because I think a lot of people, you know, they do get caught up on chasing their dreams and chasing, you know, everything. Living in the moment, understanding what those things unlock for you and other avenues is super important, you know. Um, I just thought it was an awesome interview. And and really thank you everybody that's been, you know, listening to the show. All the stuff you guys have been doing has been just phenomenal. It's you know, I mean, just to give you an idea, looking at the charts today, we're back in the charts in Australia. We're still in the charts in Russia. We're still in the charts in Italy. It's it's awesome. So, and it's because of you guys. So, thank you for everything you guys do. Anytime you share, you know, one of our uh, social media posts, anytime you write a review on on Apple Podcasts, any of that stuff you're doing for us really does make a difference. Helps us get great guests and and just helps the pod keep going where it's going. So, thank you so much for that, Zach. Is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? Just big thanks to Zach Marbury, man. I mean, truly an honor. This is one of those interviews I'll, I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, just big thanks to our listeners for sticking with us. And, you know, we just can't wait to put out more good content, you know, good positive message messages out there to better the game and, you know, just ma- make this world a better place. Absolutely, man. And we definitely need that. So make sure you're good to each other. Be good to yourself too. Super important and uh, stay safe out there guys. Thanks for listening to the pod. We'll, uh, we'll catch you soon.